Hello and welcome to The Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to fascinating, transcendent, beautiful and inspiring and creative people from across the globe that inspire comedians like you and me to live this comedy journey on our own terms. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Uh, give us a five-star review on Amazon or iTunes. But most importantly, subscribe on this roller coaster journey as we are mesmerized by these fantastic people. Now, today's guest is an absolute wonder. She is, she is an incredible individual. She has worked in 20 different countries, Russia, America, UK. She's worked with brands like Coca-Cola and Apple in market research. And she, you know, you see programs like The Horse Whisperer, The Dog Whisperer. Well, she is an expert in reading people's faces. She is the face whisperer. So if you're telling any lies, she'll pick it up within a second. Please welcome Adrian Carter. Thank you, Marvin. Lovely to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. And like, how's, how are you doing? And like, tell us a bit about your journey and how you became the face whisperer. Okay. So do you want the long version or the short version or the middle version? Let's do the, <laughs> let's do, let's give a succinct and short version of how you got okay. to where you are today. So many years ago, um, when my children were little, I wanted to go, I wanted to work, but didn't want to be stuck at, in a nine to five job or stuck at home as a, as a, as a, um, a home worker. So I went into market research and absolutely loved the different people that I came into contact with. Um, one of the companies I worked with was specialising in shopper behaviour. And I thought that's really interesting. So it really got me interested in body language. And I wanted to find out why people did what they did and why they said what they said. So I did lots of different trainings. I trained in NLP. I trained in lots of uh, transactional analysis. And I came across the face and how to understand people and their emotions and their personality from the face, which hooked me. So I went to America. Uh, 11 years ago now and trained in the facial action coding system so we've got 43 muscles in the face and those 43 muscles can make over 16 and a half thousand different facial expressions so when I came back I was a little bit of a nightmare my husband threatened to divorce me actually because I was constantly analyzing everybody and everything including him which gets a bit annoying after a while <laughs> so um, six years ago I left my job as general manager of a global research company and I just thought, right, okay, let's, I want to concentrate on the face. Um, I don't quite know what I'm going to do. And when I was talking to one of my clients, uh, he said, you like, you like the horse whisperer, but for faces. So that's how I came to be called the face whisperer. Ah. And it's a good, what's it? I heard in another podcast that you said there's 43 muscles in the face that can produce 16,000 facial expressions. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah, and probably more actually, but they're the ones that have been classified. Now, they're not all linked to emotions or linked to meaning, but the fact is we've got this capability that some facial expressions are linked to emotion and they're universally um, accepted as um, a language of the face, if you like. So, for instance, what might trigger happiness in you might trigger sadness in me, but the way we show happiness and sadness would be exactly the same. It's just the triggers that would be unique to us. Okay, and so there would be, and you say that these facial expressions are like fear, disgust, contempt, surprise, happiness, and sadness, right? And anger, yeah, and that's anger. seven, yeah. 
And if this is like in a comedy context, but what would you think would be comedians need to look out for for those sort of emotions when they go on stage or when they're performing? As for themselves or in their audience? In their audience. So genuine smiles, genuine laughter, genuine happiness. You know, that's very easy to fake a smile. You know, you and I could do that right now. There's a fake smile. Doesn't mean I'm really happy. So genuine happiness involves the crow's feet at the side of the eyes, the wrinkles under the eyes, and a, a smile that turns upwards. Whereas a fake smile, it, it normally goes straight across and doesn't involve muscles around the eye movement. So, you know, if the audience is politely laughing, but they're not genuinely enjoying it, you would be able to tell the difference. And what would be sort of signs if they're sat down on the chair and they're watching you perform of like disgust or fear or... So anger. disgust is a good one. I think maybe comedians need yeah. to see from the stage. You know, I do a lot of training with people who present and speakers. Disgust and dislike is often the nose wrinkling. So you can see that here. I don't know if your listeners will have access to the video, but then the nose wrinkling of disgust or dislike tells me when I see it, the person doesn't like what they've just seen. They might not say it, but the face has told me it really clearly. So, and will, will people will hide it though, won't they? They'll just do it briefly and like yeah. be in a conversation. And go. Yeah, so a micro expression, very hard to pick up in real time. You know, I don't know if you've seen the programme Lie to Me. Um, it's a dramatisation based on the science that I trained in very hard to get in real time but a macro expression can last about two to three seconds and they're the ones we pick up in 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 normal time so that they're the ones that i can capture really well i can see them in real time for someone who's untrained it's a bit more difficult to see them but it, it is easy to well, not easy but it, people can be trained to spot them and what about in terms of fear because i notice in audiences that, that what what i often see is i see the ones that are more like this, and they're yes. certainly in the front, I try and keep away from, but if they're yep. a bit more relaxed, sometimes yeah. I see maybe they're a bit more confident or they're open to talking or they're a bit full of themselves. It's one of the yes. two. Yeah, so fear, nervousness, anxiety, worry will all be displayed on the face and in the body. So often someone who's doing this, which is biting their lip, so as you can just see there, that would be, a, uh, I would, if I see that, I know someone's nervous and worried. If you see this, now watch this. I know we'll have to describe it for your listeners, but that, that is the fear smile. So it goes literally straight across. And that actually means, actually, I'm really worried and really nervous, don't pick on me. So it's the, it's, the, it's the lips that goes straight across. And actually, they kind of pull a bit at the sides of each of the lips. Okay. And with regards to seeing a lot of, like performing artists with the body language. When we spoke on the phone, you mm -hmm. said that one of the things that makes such a Baron Cohen and what's his face? Um, Keith Lemon. Keith, yeah, Keith Lemon perform so well is that you cannot tell that they're acting. Yeah, that they are totally in character. That there is no um, sense of oh, actually, that's really Lee Francis acting as Keith Lemon. Most people, if they, if they don't know the backstory, they just think Keith Lemon is the person that is but actually he's a character of Lee Francis and he does it brilliantly. And same with Sasha Baron Cohen. They get into character so well that, you know, that there is no difference. Whereas, you know, you watch an amateur dramatic play or performance 
they're a bit wooden, they're, they're, they're trying to be in character, but it doesn't quite sink and it doesn't feel very congruent. And that's the difference between world-class performers is they are in character and you don't even know they're in character. They just are that person. Okay. And does it mean, who were some of your favourite comics that you watch on stage, if, if you don't mind us? Um, so from, I'm, I'm quite old, so <laughs> Victoria Wood, I thought she was brilliant. Um, Mike Harwood, Tommy Cooper, all the old greats, Eric and um, Ernie, Morecambe and Wise, all of those. I absolutely love all of those. And because they, they just made you believe in them so much. Okay. That's a very interesting thing because he, Tommy Cooper was one of the main ones that I want to ask you about because mm -hmm. he's well known for being mm -hmm. a comedian that did magic, but it fails. But he is actually a very good magician and he's part of the magic circle. Yes. And what I want to do is I want to show you a clip. I want to, I want to have a chat about one of his most famous performances. Do you okay. mind me doing that? Yeah, go, go for it. So let's do this. Um... <clears throat> so here it is. Here. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? No. Okay, so I'll take that out and I'll make it a bit louder. <laughs> Can you see it? <laughs> 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 now I have to put this light down. It's a empty box here. And it's locked up with vanished in front of your very eyes. And these rings will slowly come apart in front of your very eyes. Just slowly come apart. <laughs> now, from that clip, I think it's one of his classics, isn't it? Yeah. What about him that? I mean, you, we can, whoever you are, you completely fall for it, him playing a bleedering idiot, but that was all planned and organised to achieve that result. But there's no giveaway or leaks of body language that, that shows you that's planned. I mean, we know it is, and we know it, he's probably done it 50, 50 times before, but the way he puts that performance over, you totally believe that he's, you know, it's all fallen to bits and it's not it's not right and his facial expressions you know the way he looks at the audience for approval you know yeah he pretends to be the idiot but actually he's very very clever very clever very cleverly done so i mean what, what do you think in particular makes it makes it fool people because he he's totally in character a bit like keith lemon you know he's totally that character every inch of him his body language his facial expressions the words he says everything he does exudes that character there's no slippage between who tommy cooper really is and who tommy cooper is portraying in that clip there is no slippage at all there's no leaks and as humans we're very good actually yes i've had a lot of training the highest level in the world i'm trained at but you untrained in 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 my skills can still pick up when something's not quite right you might not be able to tell me what it is you might not be able to explain it or verbalize what's wrong but you'll know it's not right i don't know if you've heard of malcolm gladwell 
brilliant psychologist based in America, written some great books. And one of his books is called Blink. And he talks about thin slicing. And it's a way that we as humans, we are always thin slicing information because we're bombarded with so much information all of the time that we quickly, like in seconds, make a judgment about whether something is real, fake, whatever, whatever it is. And because Thomas Cooper is so good, there's no slippage. So there's nothing that anyone will go, yeah, but did you just see his body language? And it was a little bit stiff or this facial expression didn't quite match what he just said. And that's what makes it so brilliant. There is no slippage. And as, as people who, and we all do this as humans, when we're thin slicing information, we'll pick up stuff that's not quite right. It's not quite congruent with the rest of it. And that's when we can tell, you know, you might, it talks about in the book about artwork and you could go into a gallery. You might not be an artist. You might not be an expert in art, but you'll know a fake between a real one. And you might not be able to say why, but your subconscious, your conscious mind is doing this thin slicing and deciding for you. Okay. That's, that's an interesting thing because, so I, I have an act that's a bit in some, it's not Tommy Cooper, but one thing that I do quite well is I fail a lot. And that seems to be the thing that I do that makes people laugh the most. Yeah. But when I'm creating that, one thing I do is I try and I don't really think too much. I just go in the flow of doing it and I look at the end point. Yeah. I'm trying to do rather than trying to, this step has to be, yes. that bit has to be perfect. Yeah. And it sounds like you're properly in that, end result that you want to achieve and i think that's what some that's perhaps one of the reasons why he's able to do it because he's not thinking too much about each and every step going well mm. he just plays with the audience goes at the flow yes. and yeah. at reaching the end point rather yeah. than making sure every step meets a certain way where you're thinking and trying to be all yeah. analytical and when you think about the next step and you're processing it that way that's when it becomes wooden when you just are it and it flows, you, you, you know, you may be preparing it and you may be practicing it, but when you just are in that total uh, persona that you're trying to portray, it flows, it's really congruent and people believe it, people, you know, buy into it so well. It's when it doesn't flow and you're thinking about each next step, I've got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. You're not in the persona then. That's when it becomes wooden. And that's, that's what a lot of actors and people do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. One thing that I do want to show you as well is a couple of uh, comedy acts. So the, the different styles, like Russell Howard, Joey Diaz, and Milton Jones. I mean, mm -hmm. Milton Jones plays a bit of a character as well. But, so I'm going to show you Joey Diaz. I want to see what you think of him. Okay. He's he's very much a bit like a grumpy uncle. That's very okay. very uh, just just says what's in his mind. So this is him here. When I was a kid, my mother had a barn. You I was a little kid, and I'd see cops come in to take their weekly bribes. There was a, a patrol guy, a beat guy, that in a suit that would always come in. Chino, nice guy, would always talk to him, always get a drink and be very polite. My mother would just slip him an envelope on the bar. And then there was a detective that would come in once a week. He'd have a drink, bust my mother's balls about Cuban food, you know, but they were nice guys, you know. And I asked my mom one day, what do you pay these fucking humps for? And she's like, because when they break my window, we have a stab in here. They come here first and they cover it up. That's how it's a cost of doing business. So I, I didn't know. They weren't dirty cops. These guys were family guys. They were great guys. This went on when I was about 12. I went into the bar one afternoon after school and there was this fucking long haired, dirty looking motherfucker, you know, yelling at my mother. And he was an undercover cop. 
and he was a Cuban guy. And I could hear him talking to my mom in Spanish with another Cuban guy, like, we want fucking money every week. You know, we come back in a week, we better get our fucking money. We're going to put all you fucking Cubans in jail. And about a week later, I was there again, and this douchebag comes in again, and he's talking to my mom. But my mom the whole time is smiling. Let me, let me tell you, motherfucker, something. Pre-revolution Cuba, before 1959, those motherfuckers are tough. Tough! Men, Batista made Fidel look like a daycare center. <laughs> Batista didn't fuck around. Those Cubans are fucking tough. My mother was tough. My mother would go off on you. But this day, she was just smiling. <laughs> but I could tell it bothered my mom. These Cubans in Union City, they have, that was the second biggest Cuban community. So we had a bunch of bars. We had a Brindy, a Café Loatita. We had Club 38. This is, listen to this, this is straight up. Club 38, his name was Willie Vandi. This guy was the grandson to the guy in Godfather 2 that they took the senator to see in Cuba. They had the chick tied up, and the guy had a big dick, remember, with a mask and a top hat. This was his grandson, and he had a big dick, too. I swear to God, I was like 12. I went over there with my dad one night. I saw his dick. I got all dizzy and shit. So, these fucking Cubans, one day I get to my mother's bar, and all these Cubans in there talking, like, this fucking Cuban guy got to go. This guy's got to go, right? And I'm making believe like I don't hear shit. You know, these Cubans were selling a little bit of drugs. They were booking. So this guy wanted their action. You know, they already paid a thing, and these guys wanted their action. So one night, my mom, there was this Puerto Rican family on 26th Street that I used to shoot hoops with. Their mom was a little straight-laced Puerto Rican chick. Didn't drink, didn't, do, didn't curse. But once a month, she'd pass this fucking spirit, like a dead African fucking maid or something, right? Oh, it was tremendous. It was like The Walking Dead, and she fucking... Drink a bottle of 151 and spit it out and blow it on candles and shit and fires and shit. When you're a kid, that shit's tremendous. You're giggling and shit. <laughs> this bitch ain't dead, right? So. Now, what do you make of him as opposed to Tommy Cooper? <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a brilliant storyteller. And what he does, though, he makes it very relatable for the audience. And he colludes with the audience, actually. I don't know if you notice, he does a little bit of a wink every now and then, which is like, you, you and I know this, you and I, we're in this together. And he does it very well. Again, he, he's not in, you can't tell whether that is him or that's a character or a persona he's playing. He just is it. He literally exudes that person. And, and he's telling it as a story. You're not waiting for a punchline because it's a story and you're hooked. What you said there is a bit like, what's it called? How, 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 let, how women get attracted to some guys who are very mysterious. That, like, the attraction is to trying to figure them out. Is that what you're saying? That's the thing with him. Yeah, it's. It, I think he's relatable. Actually, he's just telling you, like you said, you know, your uncle, your favourite uncle, he's telling a story and he's giving all the detail. Um, but he's he does it very cleverly. Like he colludes with the audience to bring the audience in. You know, we're in this story together. He's very personable. I, I've never seen him before. I'm hooked. I listen. I want to hear the end of his of his slot because he's brought me in. I can relate to him. The stuff he's saying, it's funny, but it's also relatable. Hmm. And he exudes it, he's in it. There is no, you know, I don't know if he's really like that in real life or not, but he is that persona that he's playing there and then. There's no nervousness, there's no signs of leakage that, you know, he's not who he's pretending to be in that moment. That is who he is, this is who I am. Hmm. And that's, that's what, he he is completely like that. If you hear him in an interview or anything, he does not care what people think of him. He lets it all out. It's yeah. like, he doesn't care. Yeah, and it's almost like he's saying the things that we would all love to say, but we probably don't because we're a bit too polite or being a bit careful, whereas he just says it all. That's actually quite funny. 
it's 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 funny that isn't it sometimes yeah. they say that the truth is sometimes funny and someone's like yeah. brave enough to let out the bag yes one thing that i'm going to talk about now is i'm going to sh this isn't going to be a whole interview where i show you video clips that's okay <laughs> that's okay but i've got a show i want to show you uh russell howard i want to see what you think of him because he's okay. he's very different to that and i feel that he might be a bit more contrived as you say like trying to get people yeah. like him and be very held back when i was a kid my mother had a podcast <laughs> <laughs> and he's ran a story about london police being overwhelmed by crime and tweeted the question have you experienced a petty crime in london click to tell us your story. And what did the great British public do? We took the piss. Some monster put the milk in before the tea bag. Some, some spoke of terror. Someone clipped me with their trolley and waitress the other day and only apologized once. But one brave man fought back. I once told a bumblebee to fuck off. Brexit may be tearing us apart, but our sense of humour will always bring us together. Now, what, what do you make of Russell Howard as opposed to the two that I've mentioned? Performing. Totally performing. Um, he is... All his body language movements, to me, they don't look natural. They're performed. I don't think... I mean, I don't know him. I don't think that's how he really behaves. You know, when he did that, that, that's not a natural thing. It didn't come across naturally. There's a slight delay. And that's how you tell when someone's faking what they're doing or whether they're genuine. Because when they're genuine, it all happens very seamlessly and there's no sort of delay. When he did that, there was a slight delay. And all of his hand movements, there was, there was a slight, very slight delay, which tells me he's performing that. Ah, and that's why you say that a lot of the best actors are method actors, because they become the people they're playing. That's right, yeah. And one of the things I want to ask you about, you, I think you mentioned this a while in another interview, that you said that you're not on all the time, but what you look for are sudden changes in behaviours to detect deception and skullduggery. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's, you know, people always say to me, what's the one sign of a liar? What, what do I look for if I want to see if someone's not telling me the truth? What you look for actually is the change in behavior. It, there won't be one movement. So if someone gestures loads and then they suddenly stop, okay, why have they stopped? There's a change in behavior. If someone doesn't gesture and then they suddenly start gesturing, why have they changed? If they start fidgeting or start um, messing with a tissue or whatever it is it's when they change behavior to what they normally do and you know you can quickly get someone's baseline within a 10 minute conversation of what's normal for them and within that 10 minutes okay they don't fiddle much they don't gesture much they talk quite normally they're caught in, a, in an even pace if their tone of voice picks up their pace picks up they suddenly start gesturing and they haven't done that before something's changed and that's when you see the differences. It's the change in behavior. It's not a specific movement because we're all different. It's the change in behavior. And it's an interesting thing. What's it called? In that program, Lie to Me, the, the guy would, he would sometimes be a bit, do some strange things to get him off guard. Yes. To reveal something. Yes. Is that what some psychologists do? They deliberately do something to put them off, like, I don't know, jump at them or whatever. Yeah. And you, you, what we're always looking for is, um, body language specialists or facial specialists, we're looking for the reaction. 
that's what we're looking for the reaction and it can be the tiniest thing and it's you know that's why i i always say to people i train ask questions ask loads of questions and the reason i tell people to ask questions because then you get the reaction and what i don't if i go into an interview and i'm interviewing someone i don't want to to give them a list of questions that they can pre-prepare i want to ask questions that they have no idea what's coming and and oftentimes particularly if i'm trying to really get the measure of someone i'll ask a really random question something really like totally off center totally off piste because you get the real reaction then hmm. you got and you got to assess who the person is and then you've got to be something that completely bamboos them if yeah. it's a very conservative and you ask them uh, yeah. what's a horse that that will put them off yeah um it's quite it's one of the best way to 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 get the measure of someone i like the way you said that is to really ask questions be all really normal then ask something really random go back to being all really normal ask something really random because you're looking for reactions it's the reactions that tell you what's really going on you mentioned it before would you say that people that are more mentally secure and all right are the people that aren't bothered by what's it called being weird or what people think of them they don't care they just let it out yeah, I, I mean, teenagers are always a bit, you know, we, we joke about teenagers being a bit like Kevin and Perry. It's because they feel the whole world is watching them. And as, as we become adults, we should lose that really, particularly as we, as we go through, you know, the life stages, we lose the fact that we realise that everyone isn't staring at us and watching us. Most people are just concerned with their own lives. Um, and when you get to that point, you kind of don't care what people are thinking because you realise they don't, they don't actually care what you're doing. You just get on with it. So you lose a lot of the embarrassment factor as you get older. That's one thing that I am really impressed with. Like when I speak to, there's, there's a comic called Lynn Ruth Rilla. She's like 86. And what she just free flows. She doesn't care if she offends anyone. And yeah. then there's another guy called Earl Oaken, who's a legend on the comedy circuit. He's been around since before the comedy store. And like mm. he was insulting about Don Ward and all these different people. People like me would be terrified to say anything bad about because we're all yeah. happened. But he doesn't care. No. And you do get that. It does come with age. You just you realise that everyone's getting on with their own business. So it's, it, you can just do what you want to do and say what you want to say and behave how you want to behave. But when you feel, and people with mental illnesses do often feel like there's a whole world watching them and there's a spotlight on them. Uh, and they struggle to, to behave normally and naturally because they feel so watched. In truth, no one is probably watching them, but it's how they feel inside. Unless you're a celebrity or famous. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's... With... Um, you, I noticed that you in your website you put an interesting point. And this is always really question that blew my mind in some ways. I'm very interested to hear what you say with this, because you say that the people with plastic and Botox are harder to read. So is that why a lot of people take plastic surgery? It's not to look prettier, it's so that people can't read them. Is that what it is? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it is. I think it is to look prettier or more attractive or to look younger a lot of the time. But yeah, people who have um, plastic surgery or Botox, really difficult for me to read. Um, Meghan Markle, when I did the analysis of her and Harry's interview with Oprah, that you saw any of those clips I did yeah. but she's very hard to read because when I was really looking at, I hadn't realized this she's had a lot of work done not so much plastic surgery but she's got a lot of fillers and a lot of Botox you know I, I you see my muscle movement in my forehead you can see all that movement going on she doesn't move and she's she's probably 10 years younger than me 
but she's got no movement going on whatsoever. So what that does, the science says that people who have Botox and these fillers freeze the muscles in their face. They don't have the same range of movement. They also don't have the same range of emotions as someone who doesn't. So Botox has also been trialed with people who suffer from severe depression. Because what happens when you're in a severe depression, your whole body language reacts, your face reacts, they freeze those muscles, they don't go into that state, so they don't feel as low as they did. So they're, they're having some great success with that, because I used to really say, avoid Botox. But actually, for people who are clinically depressed, it's probably a really good thing to do, because they can't make those faces and go into their dough down and down. Mind, body, and link is so, so intertwined. That is brilliant. And so for anyone that wants to be a good liar, get Botox. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Do you know that if you do want to be a poker face, Botox and fillers will freeze your face and you won't have those muscle movements face. You've got to then, I don't know what you do with the rest of your body because in all the analysis I've done, people, if they're really conscious of their facial expressions, their body language will leak information. If they're really conscious of their body language, they won't leak anything, but their faces leak. And it's kind of because you can't control both at the same time. Somewhere, something will leak information. Hmm. That's, that was an interesting bit there, because it, it's, I've always, whenever I go into my head, I, yeah, I'm not going to go into talking about plastic surgery and that, but that is interesting. So if, if, if there is any increase in criminals doing it, we will know why. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but what, so what, what is, so you mentioned already that there are certain things that a regular Joe or a layman can do to be more aware of people. But yeah. what are some other things to be a starter manual in terms of like being aware of BS? <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Start noticing the, the, you know, when I talk to people about facial expressions of emotion, most people look at me as if to say, okay, because we are aware of facial expressions, but most people aren't aware of how much information on a day-to-day -day basis is readily available. It's been a bit more difficult with masks because, but you can still see stuff with the half, top half of the face, but there's so much information the face gives you. You know, I can do, I can do an hour session with a group of people. They'll come back to me the next day and they'll go, you won't believe what I saw when I went to Tesco last night. You won't believe what I saw on the telly or you won't believe what my partner does. I, I can't believe it. It was always there. They just never noticed it. They just didn't know what to pay attention to. So, you know, it's start noticing what you see around you. You know, there's loads of information, there's loads of information on my website, um, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Start teaching yourself what different facial expressions look like. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a useful piece of information that you can use in every aspect of your life. So if someone's trying to be a dodgy Del boy on you and like, what well, mate, I'm going to charm you a little bit and I'm going to do you over. What a science is just that they're trying to be snake zillas. <laughs> so you just did it actually. The duper's delight it's called. It's the, it's the oh. smile. And you went into character perfectly there, Marvin. But oh. it's the duper's delight smile that says, I've got one over you. It's kind of a smirk. It's kind of a a knowing smirk, that's the best way I can describe it, that, that if I ever see that, I know that that person thinks they know something I don't know. 
and it's it's a great one to look at it's not a genuine smile it's not a fake smile it's kind of a smirks the best word it's kind of a did you, did you see that facial expression so it's kind of a, a knowing smile that means they think they know more than you and they're probably trying to get one over on you and what's this i noticed in business or whatever you, you get some people who go trust me and when they do uh, that it's like you don't need to say that to trust them if you it's a big red flag big red flag you know why are you saying that an honest person wouldn't need to say honestly trust me you know you if you if you that's for me if i hear that statement in business you know someone's trying to sell me something they say oh yeah trust me it'll be the best hoover you ever buy i'm thinking oh that sounds a bit dodgy okay and this is what this is a really interesting point and i'd love it if you if i've not seen anyone do this but there's a big thing in comedy of joke thievery and i'd love to see maybe i think you would get lots of views on it if you did a video where you looked at carlos mencia and amy schumer because they're okay. very popular comedians and they're comedians that have been known for joke thievery mm -hmm. and i would like to show you a few clips and see what you think of them yeah absolutely yeah it's so here's one of them. We live in an age now where, so, look, what I'm saying. So the guy who is, Carlos Mencia is the guy in the bottom right. And yeah, yeah. He's, he's basically, he's been well known for bumping people off, like if they were on, because he's a big name back then. And he used to steal people's jokes right in, and perform them right in front of them. Thing though is, no, is that so uh, we live in an age now where going to individual people isn't going to fix the problem. The problem. Oh, is I don't care about that. That's not what I care about. What do you care about? I want to meet these fucking people so that I can look them in the eye I, and I, say, but "Dude, I, I'm sorry," or "Fuck, I remember that joke." Let me think about where I created that joke. Holy fuck, I don't remember. Well, have where you I done that? that yes. And every single person I call says no i'm ready to apologize to the people to, to the people that i did this to yeah. right mm -hmm. to, to the people that i did this to but like i said you're accusing me of rape D don't tell me i raped a bunch of chicks and, and don't have any chicks to, to tell me that i'm raping them you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and then i'll show you a few others on him because there's quite a few look what i'm saying though is is that so uh we live in an you've seen me you personally have seen me write 20 minutes of new shit on stage in one show. I, I, I have seen that, but I have also seen um, some of your act, you know what I mean, a little too close to things that have already been established, like, like, like the Bill Cosby bit. Yeah, I've never seen that one, so. I know, but I know, my, my point though is, is that it's so similar, right? Yeah. Yeah, that um, why not just I would really say I apologize and then we could just move on from it rather than you constantly defending. But it's not that I'm defending. See, again, it's not that. But the thing that um, is putting you in comedy prison is the, just the essence of the stealing. That's the real yes. root of, uh, of. Stealing is such a huge deal for me. It's like rape. But I know. But no, no, no. Listen to me. Yeah. You need to understand that. Yeah, yeah. And I've never said this to anybody. Okay. I'll show one more clip and I just want to go from there. I see high levels of fear and anxiety and um, eyes closing. 
doesn't like it. Not happy at all. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll show you one more clip, but what, what do you say so far from what you said? Now, that second clip was quite revealing. The first one, he was defensive. It was very obvious. He was very, he was very defensive. That second clip, you see a lot of this. So, and lip licking, that's a sign of nervousness or anxiety. And he also does an eye close like that, which is too long for a blink. It's closing out something he doesn't want to see and hear. People, when they close their eyes for longer than a normal blink, they don't want to hit, they don't like it, don't hear it, don't want to, don't want to see it. He's very defensive. There's no question he's defensive. Hmm. Um, and I, I, I would, I mean, I'd have to watch it in more detail, but he also, he looked guilty. I'll show one more. You've I'll seen me. You I, personally have seen So one thing that makes me a bit icky about it is that he's putting too much effort in to defend himself. Whilst if you're really not like that, you don't need to, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally agree. And this is one more. No, 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 Okay, so I mean, it was very loud and shouting. I'm not too sure if you got a lot from that. Um, the, the, the other chap, I don't know what the other chap's name is, but his body language is very different. Can you see he was just very, I, I would imagine, I can't see his feet obviously, but feet planted firmly on the ground, very steadfast and very determined in what he was saying. Whereas, I, I can't remember his name, sorry, what was his name? Carlos Mencia. He, he was very defensive. His body language, he's moving all over the place. He's uncomfortable. He's not comfortable. He's not feet firmly on the ground. He's actually does the shoulder blocking. He's trying to block him with his shoulder quite a few times. Doesn't want to hear it, push him away. Whereas the other chap, the difference in their body language was quite marked, quite marked. And if I was going to trust one, it'd be the other chap. So it's a bit like I've been caught now. And yeah. Please hide me away. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And guilty, definitely guilty. You know, someone who's honest and truthful doesn't need to be like that. And all that, all that, you know, I don't know if that's what he does normally, but all that movement <laughs> is very, you know, it reminds you of someone dodging and weaving. And that's what he's, it comes out. But you could say that, you could say he looks like he's dodging and weaving and that's exactly what he was doing. And what do you dodge and weave from? Because you don't want to get into trouble because you're guilty. Hmm. And if, if it was an honest person, I think they would be like, you can choose me what, I know I didn't, and just leave it and just be like, they would yeah. open arms and be like, so what? Yeah, open body language. The other chat was, he wasn't, there wasn't, although he was intense, there was no, there was, it was just, a, it was a very strong posture, feet firmly planted on the ground, and there was strength in his body language. Could it be that he's been so defensive because he doesn't want to face up to the truth? Yeah, possibly. really hurt him to yeah. see what he's done. Um, yeah, people who are a bit sneaky and do things that they know they probably shouldn't, you can't hide it from yourself because you know, don't you? And it will come out in your body language and your energy. And I think that come out very clearly, particularly in that third one, that dodging and weaving body language is what's going on in his mind. You know, the mind body link I've already said is so 
intertwined what we're thinking comes out in our body language is innate within us do you, do you think also maybe something that people could do to pick up body language is play a character you know like i did just there that yeah. they, represents that and then see what it looks like and then maybe guess that in terms of the person they're dealing with yeah absolutely yeah that's a really good way of doing it actually getting into the character and then you know that that's what i say to people if you see something on a face and you don't know what it means pull that face yourself and how do you then feel so if you want to get into the character of a dodgy whatever i mean look what i just did with my body language you didn't even think about that yeah it's all there in it dodging and weaving think about the character and then the body language will follow if you think about it too hard and try too hard it, it doesn't work but that's one way of like, what were they up to? What were they doing? And mimic. So like I just did with him, you know, he was doing this all the time. How do I feel? I feel like I'm being a bit dodgy. There you go. That's what's probably what's going on. Okay. And there's one, <clears throat> one other thing that I want to look at, and it's, it's going to be a performance clip. So it's going to be one of someone else doing a joke, and then mm -hmm. she's doing a joke that's very similar. Okay. So what I, what I saw from her is that there's less movement and less belief in the joke. And it's, but uh, let, let me see what you think. So let's see here. I don't, I don't, it dawned on me that I don't see it in colors. I don't, I don't, in high school, I went out with this Chinese girl for a while once. I didn't even know she was Chinese. I thought, I don't know, maybe really tired. You know? <laughs> no, seriously, I felt bad. I kept bringing her home early every night. I said, you get a little sleep. We'll do this again another time. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I couldn't be less racist. I mean it. I was at a party two weeks ago in LA. And who walks in but Michelle Kwan. And out of nowhere, nowhere, she tells me that Oliver Stone, you know, the director, she's like, he has this huge Asian fetish. And I find it totally offensive. And I'm like, why, Kwan? That sounds awesome, you know? And she's like, well, I'm offended because I'm Asian. And I was just like, well, I'm sorry, but I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I thought you were just like really tired. Was that, what do you think of that? Um, so I, I used to do lots of presentations in my research business where we go and take the findings to clients. Now I would always like to write the presentation because if somebody else wrote it, I was kind of, the, I always felt uncomfortable because it wasn't my words and it wasn't my, it, it's hard to present somebody else's work. Ah. And that's what you see with her. It's not natural because she's presenting somebody else's work. When it comes, and her timing wasn't quite right either. It just didn't feel right. I, you know, so after the first presentation I did and somebody else had wrote it, I'd be like, mm, I can't do this. I need to make it mine so that when I present it, it's me talking it's not the other person talking and that's what i think was happening there it wasn't her talking so it's when you're doing a speech you, you do most of it but you get someone to top it up a bit rather than the other way um no i'm talking about when my research business and we used to i had someone who would write up the report for us and then they would write in a very different style as how i would present and i couldn't present their work because it just didn't feel right so when you're presenting somebody else's work, it generally comes across as a bit wooden and not quite right. The timing's never quite right. So it's always better if you've got your own original material because it'll come out so much more naturally and be more engaging. It dawned on me that I don't see it in colours. The joke was a bit questionable being an Asian man, but it's, it's one of the things I could find. Yes. 
Yeah, well, her, her timing was off. Completely. It felt like she was rehearsing for a play or something. And that's what, when somebody else writes a presentation for me, so, it, you know, that this is the research project we did, and this is all the findings, and, okay, thank you, and I'm not stealing their work, they, they've given it me to present for them. It doesn't quite work, because it's their words and not mine. So I had to then go make it my report so that I could present it in me because that's genuinely, this is what I took from the report. This is what, da, 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 da. And then you go and present it in a much more believable, honest way. Okay. Let's show one more example and it'll be enough of the clips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Polar guys is good. It, well, you need your friend though, right? Like you, you're fucking him from behind and then you sneak out and he takes your place and then you walk outside and wave at her through the window. <laughs> and then you go, I'm here. <laughs> the worst one I've ever heard is the Houdini, which is where the guy's having sex with the girl from behind. Then unbeknownst to her, his friend subs in for him. Guy number one runs outside, knocks on the window, waves to the girl. So, mm -hmm. Is that the same sort of thing? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's just not funny when she does it. It was funny when he said it because it came very naturally. But it just wasn't funny because it didn't, it didn't, it sounded rehearsed. She wasn't fully in that character telling that story. It sounded like she was putting it on. Hmm. So... I think we've found the results there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would love to, I'd love to see like a detailed sort of breakdown, like a YouTube video on, on those two things. Cause a lot of comments are always on that. Yeah. Okay. That's, um, I shall make a note. It's brilliant. <clears throat> now, one of the things that have been interesting, you mentioned it before, but it, it must have an interesting, it must be helpful. And, and bad in some ways with your family being an expert in this because I mean with your daughter at least she can detect a few sleazeballs with your help <laughs> um, it, it can be really useful uh, when I train people to read the face I always say to them at the very start look when you get home tonight you're going to be a nightmare trust me you're going to be a nightmare I did it 11 years ago I went home after a two or three weeks in America and I was a nightmare because I was so excited about what I could now see it was always there before but I just didn't know what it meant and now I do I always say to people please 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 don't start being that nightmare person go I just saw you pull a face of disgust you don't really like that because you soon realize people shut down and then they don't behave naturally and actually we want natural behavior Ah, and that's that's what uh, James English says in his podcast when he's interviewing people if they're lying he doesn't want to challenge them because no. he wants them to be open and just to be themselves. Yeah, I, I never, I mean, I see stuff all the time, all the time. Um, I never say anything. Very, very, very rarely do I say anything now. I might ask a question. I might just say, you know, if I say to someone, for instance, Marvin, are you okay today? Because I've seen there's something on your face that I know you're not okay. And you say, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I might say, are you sure? You say, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Okay, that's it. I back off because you don't want me. But I could say, actually, Marvin, I can see you're really miserable today and you're really upset about something. So what's going on? And all I'll do is piss you off. Ah. That's all I'll do is piss you off. So I, I'll ask a question. And, I, you know, if it's important, I might ask a second question. But if people choose not to tell me, that, that's the end of it. Because 
I know stuff about them that they may not want me to know. Hmm. And but it's do you, do you I mean this is I don't want to ask too much into it but does it does it help with your family in terms of like you give them advice and things yeah family friends work I use it a lot for work you know if I go into a meeting with a prospective client and I'm, I'm talking about what I'm going to present or what the training is going to cover I can tell immediately there and then what I need to do more of and what I need to do less of because I can't turn this stuff off same with the family you know if I say to my husband do shall we go for an Italian tonight or do you prefer Indian I'll know from his face immediately which one he prefers he, he hasn't told me yet and I, I do wait for the answer but straight away I know what what they really feel and how they're really feeling because I can see it on their face so I but I the one thing I stress is that I do try not to be annoying with it because it can be really annoying for someone to point out your every move and that means this and that means that so yeah it really does help with relationships any relationships um, I, I've just gone into the dating niche, actually. It's a niche that I've been sort of helping off and on. And I've really gone for it seriously as an arm of my business. Because if you know how someone really feels on a date, you can either, yay, this is going really well, let's keep going, or actually think they're not that into me, really. Let's end it now and save some time and effort, move on to the next one. Yeah, you could have helped Liberty from Love Island. I could. He was definitely dodgy. Did you see my report in the Sun last week? I did some analysis for the Sun on that. Yeah, he was definitely dodgy. But I do remember our chat on it, which was interesting. <laughs> but it's, I think, yeah, it, it saves a lot of people time and effort, and it saves people from being emotionally damaged by it as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you've got clients and you know the difference between a genuine smile and a posed smile, you can, it makes a big difference. So for example, my daughter-in-law is a hairdresser. She's a mobile hairdresser, it's her own business. If she gets to the end of doing someone's hair and she doesn't see a genuine smile, she has an opportunity in that point to do something about it by saying, you know, are you happy with your hair? If she sees a posed smile or a fake smile, she knows they're not genuinely happy. Would you like a bit more off the length? Next time, would you like to go a bit darker in color? She can do something about it. Then she'll start, oh, right, yeah, oh, yeah, next time. Could you do it a bit darker for me? Brilliant. She's happy. She'll keep that client and she'll get referrals. Whereas if she lets the fake or posed smile go and doesn't sort of do some follow-up with it, that person's not going to rebook her and she's not going to get referrals. So this stuff, you know, even a simple explanation like that, it's important. I get to the end of a project and my client's not showing me genuine happiness. I need to do some more work. Mm. And by putting that extra effort in, you'll make... One thing i found with some people I work with is they're very much focused on the quick thing rather yeah. than the lasting thing. Yes. If you get that right, then they can... It flows. Yeah, you, you build relationships based on this sort of stuff because if you see the smile, think, okay, job done, walk away, but it's not a genuine smile, your job isn't done and you've probably lost that person as a client. Hmm. Cool. And with all the people you've met, like what has been what have been some real strange situations you've come across? Obviously, some of it is client confidentiality, but what's been a situation you've been? Oh my God, what is this? Um, one of my favourite ones to talk about. There's there's quite a few I can't talk about. One of my favourite ones to talk about. I was engaged by a um, drinks brand to go to a lot of bars in central London to do some tasting. 
And but my I was really there as just a general customer. But what I was doing, these these bartenders have been trained to a certain level about how they should treat their customers. So as a, a middle-aged woman, I was going to the bar ordering this specific drink that they've been trained how to serve. And watching the reactions of some of these bartenders was absolutely hilarious because they don't realize who I am. I'm just a middle-aged woman ordering a drink. And how they treated me based on how they were trained was absolutely fascinating. I also got very drunk by the end of this project. I drank a lot of alcohol <laughs> because I, I had to go to 20 different bars over the space of like three days. So I, I, I drank a lot. I learned a lot about um, how people just treat you when they don't realize they're being analyzed and they're being watched. And very interesting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. And what, what would you say, um, do you know Dave Courtney? I don't know the name. Okay, I, I've watched the podcast with Vadi Attainment. Do you know about them? No. Okay, they're, well, they're my favorite podcast, the favorite like business channel. The guy is very practical with help, self-help, motivation. Like yeah. Robbins yeah. and some of them, they're a bit iffy. But he's very straight down the line and gives you practical information. Nice. And he had a guest called David Courtney. <laughs> And he says, and he's a cockney criminal, former criminal. He's, I can pick you, I can read you like a book quicker than you'd like me to. <laughs> and what would you say is for someone that's a real Salavar slivering, how would you deal with them? Because <laughs> I mean, even you being an expert, you sometimes get caught out or something. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, criminals are very good at reading people because they're watching for the reaction it's all about the reaction are they being believed are they not being believed so what was your question sorry Marvin did I answer that or not how would you how would you deal with someone who's a really expert in in deception um I mean I I don't try and hide how I feel a lot of people say oh can you teach me how to hide how I feel so I can go and play poker and win millions and, and yes I could teach you how to hide your facial expressions but actually I'm very much about being open and honest and when I see someone who's dodgy it depends what situation they're in. If, if they're being dodgy and it's going to affect me or my family or my money then I'm going to call you out or I'm going to do something about it but if it's something that I can just let go then I, I will just let it go because otherwise you I could be challenging people all of the time and it's just not worth it I had an interesting one in a local shop to me I ordered my daughter a games console for Christmas I got to the shop to pick it up and this is you'll love this I got to the shop to pick it up it was just before Christmas and they said, no, it's not been delivered. And I said, well, I've got this notification from UPS to say it's been delivered here. And so-and-so, the chap's name has signed for it. No, we don't have anyone who works in. The, the chap who'd signed for it was named, had written Adam. We don't have anyone called Adam here. We've got someone called Ad, but not Adam. So I said, okay, well, Ad is short for Adam. No, no, definitely not. And I couldn't, I knew from the start she was lying. I knew from her body language, the way she was saying it, that that parcel <laughs> had been delivered there. So she was adamant she wasn't going to give it me. So I, I rang UPS while I'm in the shop and I said, I'm with the shopkeeper now. Um, they say it's definitely not been delivered. You tell me it's been signed for. Adam signed for it. She said there's nobody here called Adam who works here, but there is an ad. And the UPS were like, well, it has definitely been delivered there. We've got, and it was this time. Anyway, so she tried to be clever. She said, we're going to call Ad in. We're going to call Ad in so ad comes into the shop because he lived quite close by 
walked around the back and picked the parcel up and brought it to me. She'd said it hadn't been delivered there. And this took about half an hour. And at the end of it, I said to her, and I don't normally do this, but I was so cross. I said, you might want to go and Google me. My name's Adrienne Carter. I'm the face whisperer. And I know when people are telling me lies, which is why I wasn't leaving here without my parcel. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That could be a good comedy sketch there. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a comedy sketch. Because she said, no, I've searched everywhere. And I could just tell by her body language, her facial expressions. No, I've searched the whole shop. And she pretended to go and look. And I just knew, I knew it had been delivered. Did she turn white? She went, she did go a little bit of a funny colour. She said, oh, you think I'm lying? I said, I never said that. I'm just telling you who I am. You might want to go and Google me. But I was not leaving this shop without my parcel. <laughs> ah. <laughs> That is incredible. And yeah. They get fired, I hope. No, just... <laughs> well, I, I think, she, unfortunately, she owned the store. I mean, UPS obviously knew that it had been delivered, it had been signed for. The young man that actually took it came and he was immediately able to pass it out to me. So there you go. It's a store I don't ever go to ever again. Oh, definitely. Could you give me the address so I don't go there again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not on air, but yes, afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, two questions from here. Like, what would you like? What, what, what's been my body language? <laughs> um, a, uh, are, are you a little nervous about talking to me about with your face or not? I, I am, what's it called? I'm ca always cautious how I behave in a podcast. Yes. And, and that's all I pick up, that you are feeling a little bit cautious, but nothing, nothing else. I don't see any. I'm not looking for people to be lying to me all the time. Um, I, I do know when people are nervous. I've got one client of mine who every time he comes on a Zoom call with me, he's really open, like, just calm down. It's all right. I'm not reading. Them. I'm not analyzing you. We're just having a chat. There's no need to worry. He's just really self-conscious about himself. And some people are. Some people are really self-conscious. I don't think you're particularly self-conscious. You're a little bit holding yourself back but it's kind of understandable you don't know me that well yes yes and one of the things from that i like to ask like if people want to find out about you how do mm -hmm. they get in contact um so i'm all over social media i'm on linkedin um adrian carter if you my website is adriancarter.com and if you also want to the face whisperer.co.uk um, and you'll find me on any any of the social medias under either of those two banners. Right, well, guys, make, if you wanted the tech bullshit, you know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a lot of fun, uh, guys. Make sure you follow the next episode, and I'll see you guys soon. Adrian, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Marvin. <laughs>